Good afternoon. You are a chatty lot in the room. Whilst you're finishing your conversations, I'm going to go say hi to YouTube. Hi, YouTube. Nice to see you if you're joining us online. Those of you in the room who I haven't met, my name is Jess, and it's great to be at the three. This is good. Who is here for the first time? Can I just see a little wave if you're here for the first time? Okay. I see you. Hello, hello, hello. Great. Well, I'm going to start with a little bit of a story about me. We're going to go back in time into my past. We're going to fly past the years of COVID and lockdown. Don't like those parts. Um, we're going to go past the birth of my daughter. We're going to, because no one really needs to hear the details of that. Um, although she is cute, yeah. Um, we're going to fly past my 30th. We're going to fly past me moving to London, we're going to go past my uni days, although they were fun, we're not going to talk about them, and then we're going to go until um, my teenage years. So imagine me, 15 years old, a lot more hair, a lot less grey hair though, um, and I am a vicar's child, and so one of the joys of being a vicar's child is that sometimes you get really friendly parishioners, people in your church, who like to share things with you and your family. Um, and so one day, my family got invited to, well, me and my mum and dad got invited on holiday with another couple. Yeah, I know. So if you're ever thinking, hmm, how can our holidays be better? You invite Pete and B and their family. Um, I'm really hoping you'll get a few holiday invites. Anyway, so we were invited on holiday to South Africa with this amazing, I know, amazing, generous couple. And it was a holiday where we were going to go on safari. Now, I love animals. And so we spent days and days in a car safari driving around. And the advice that we were given were things like, don't leave the car, don't get out of the car, don't hang out of the car, don't take your picture out of the car. If you see an animal coming towards you very quickly, reverse very quickly. Um, lots of danger. And I had an amazing time. And then one day, we were going on a walking safari. Now... I thought it was a practical joke because let's just get some British people together and tell them that they can walk in the safari by themselves <laughs> because they'd spent all week telling us, don't get out of the car, don't get out of the car. And so when we arrived and they said, get out of the car, we were like, okay, okay, okay. Um, and so we got out of the car and I'll be honest, I was absolutely terrified. Um, one of the tips that we were given was if you see an animal running at you, climb the nearest tree as you do. Now, I was the tallest in my group, so I thought I had that, but my upper body strength is minimal at best. Um, and so I was a little bit nervous. But anyway, we started walking in this safari. I made sure I was in the middle of the pack. You know, yeah, good. Uh, sent my dad out first, you know. Good daughter that I am. Sent him out first, and I was in the middle. But then I looked around, and I was looking around for our guides. We had two guides, two very experienced guides, both with guns. And you know where they were? They weren't in front where I thought they were going to be. They were behind us, which I thought was, A, irresponsible, um, and B, just a little bit strange because I was so anxious. I was like, the people who are supposed to keep us safe are behind us. That's not going to help us. And so this walking safari was, made me really, really anxious. But whenever I think about Psalm 23 and shepherding and being led, this is the story that I go to because that is the only time I've ever been led, um, really, because I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> um, but that walking safari was the place where I experienced being led by someone who wasn't in front of me. 
Now, this is the last week of us looking at Psalm 23 with me, and we're going to read it together for the last time, not for the last time in your life, hopefully, but we're going to do it all together. Um, So let's read it together. It's going to come up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we're going to look at the last verse. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now we've been on a journey through this psalm, looking at what it means for God to be our shepherd. What's that like and who he is? And the journey has taken us out in the wilderness. It's taken us past some still waters down the darkest valley, and we're now on the home straight. And it says that we are followed by goodness and love. So let's take a look at what the sheep experience is like first. So we've been using this book by Kenneth Bailey called The Good Shepherd to help us really imagine what it's like, unless you've been a shepherd yourself. Any shepherds? You never know. No. Um, So let's look at this. It says, on the way home, at the end of each day, The shepherd knows that there is danger of a wolf or some other predator following the returning herd in the hope that a young or injured sheep might lag behind and become easy prey. If the shepherd has an assistant, one of them will naturally follow closely behind the herd for the specific purpose of preventing such an eventuality. If the shepherd has a dog, that animal can take up the rear guard position. Sheep, when they aren't lost, know their way home. If there is no assistant shepherd and no dog, the shepherd himself can be the rear guard. So the sheep at this point know the way home. But for David, he wants to say that instead of a wolf or a predator following him home, that he has goodness and love, which for David is not an easy thing to say. He didn't have an easy ride in life. If you read any of the Old Testament, you will see that. But it's not just some ideals, some like nice words that are like following him home. In the language that's used, goodness and love is about personification. So it means a person. And for him, that's God. God, who is goodness and love, is following him home. And in my walking safari, I experienced what it was like to be walking ahead of the person who keeps you safe. I didn't know any of the guides, didn't trust them, but um, that's a different story. Um, But David is talking about God, who is the full embodiment of goodness and love. Now let's look at the words goodness and love, as is right when preparing for a sermon. We want to look back at the text and see what the original Hebrew was talking about. So I looked up the word goodness in Hebrew, and it's pronounced tov. Can you say that with me? Tov, lovely. I was like, great, let's have a look at goodness. Let's see what that means. You know what it means? Goodness. <laughs> That's it. I was very disappointed. But it means good. It means good things, tov, which makes sense. And then when I looked at love, it has this word. Oh, yeah, I hear it. You know it. 
Good, chesed. Can you say that with me? One more time on the good chesed. <laughs> good, you've learned Hebrew. And that word is um, not like I love my shoes, I love my dog, although you might really, really love your dog. Um, but it's like a loyal love that is based around a covenant and which is motivated by deep personal care. And we see this word throughout the Bible. David uses it in Psalm 23 to describe God. But we also hear God referring to himself as that. So let's take a look at that. It's in Exodus chapter 34. We've got Moses and we've got God. And it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So the abounding in love is that chesed, love. And he's saying this about himself because he's just about to make a covenant with Moses and his people. He's about to promise something. And he's telling us or telling the people about that love of his. And what David is saying is we can trust God. A little bit more of my um, childhood for you. Going a little bit further back. On a Saturday morning, my dad, um, I have two bigger brothers. My dad would take me and my brothers out on a cycle ride probably to give my mum some space. Um, I get it now. Um, but I hated cycling, hated it with a passion, mainly because I had to wear a really large helmet because I have big hair, um, and mainly because I fell off my bike once and then got really terrified. Um, but what would happen was we would drive, cycle around our town. I would be in the front leading the way. My dad would be behind me, and then my two brothers would be behind him. And I hated, well, A, I hated cycling, but B, I hated being at the front I had no idea where we were going. I was about eight years old. No idea where we were going. And I was trying to avoid every curb, every car, um, every dog, every person, which usually means you kind of steer towards them by accident. Um, and so I just hated those cycle rides. And I genuinely thought my dad was being mean. I was like, why can't I be in the middle or at the back where my brothers are? But when I was thinking about it, I was realizing that the whole reason why he put me at the front was so that he could see me at all times. He could see any danger that was coming. He could yell out to me and tell me that I was about to hit a curb. Um, he was doing it because he loved me and he was my dad. That was, he was doing it out of his love for me. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now the words follow me on here, we were just singing about it, actually mean chase after. They don't mean follow me. For me, the words follow me sound a little bit creepy. Um, but the word chase after, it doesn't, con it doesn't convey like a calm and quiet, like shadowing behind you. It is like an active and passionate thing that God is doing, is chasing after you. And so if we wanted to look at this verse with all those things that we know about the text, we could, could read it as surely God, God who is goodness and loyal love will chase after me all the days of my life. So it's about God. David speaks of God in this way with such confidence and assurance that he is those things. Surely God, God who is goodness and loyal love, will chase after me all the days of my life. So before we go any further, I'd really love to do a little spiritual check-in with you guys. I heard an ooh over here. Yeah, it's that exciting. Um, 
when we're reading scripture, we want scripture to speak to us and to change our hearts. We don't want to read scripture and change it based on how we feel. So I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes or look down. I'm going to take a stool. Because I've been talking about how David thinks about God, what David thinks about God. But I'd love for us all together to imagine, imagine yourself walking like that sheep in a wide open space. And you're on your way home. And God, the good shepherd, is behind you. If you're struggling with the sheep imagery, imagine yourself walking into work tomorrow morning, leaving your house in the morning. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So keep imagining it. God behind you, chasing after you. What is it doing in your heart and in your spirit? Do you feel content, excited that God is following you, chasing you with goodness and love? Or do you feel something different? Disconnected, disbelief, or disappointed? Or do you not feel anything at all? Spirit, we thank you that you are with us now and that you are speaking through the scripture. Come and remind our hearts, our minds, and our spirit of your goodness and love. For those of us who are hearing the words but not daring to believe, meet with us. For those of us who think we know your goodness and love, blow our minds today. For those of us who don't know you yet, Jesus, thank you that you love us so much. And for those of us who don't feel like you're close, let yourself be known today, we ask. And in that place where you're with God and God's behind you, see what he's asking, see what he's saying to you. God doesn't need to speak through me. On my way here um, this afternoon, I felt like God was saying that there were some people in the room who feel angry towards him. If that's you, tell him that you're angry. He can take it. Surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. So we're going to come out of our little check-in. And I'm just going to share, when I was preparing for this sermon, I was like, oh, I got this verse. I got the surely goodness and love verse. Because when I read it, sometimes I read it like, oh, surely, surely God, goodness and love is following me. Like, please let that be the case, because I don't feel it right now. Um, like a plea. And over the last few years, God has been so good and so faithful. And I've seen a lot of blessing in my life and other people's lives in my family. But I've also experienced a lot of pain. 
and a lot of disappointment and grief and anger. And what I realized was the psalm isn't saying good things will follow you for the rest of your life. But it's saying that God will follow you for the rest of your life. So even today, if you're like me and don't often feel or see the goodness and love of God, that's okay because God is still there. He can't change. Um, And so he's with you there too, chasing after you. And all we really need is faith. It requires faith. Faith to believe that we are being followed by God, the good shepherd. And really not that much faith either. Um, Whatever situation is showing you the opposite of what I'm telling you right now, you just need a little bit of faith. It says the faith of a mustard seed, which is small. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 17, it says that Jesus is there talking to his disciples. So the friends, the people that decided to follow him, give up everything and follow him, they're face to face with the Son of God, Jesus, and yet they still say, increase my faith. And he says, you just need the faith size of a mustard seed. So that might be what you're bringing to the table today, the tiniest bit of faith that God is good and loving. That's okay, that's enough. And this has nothing to do with us and how we respond and all to do with God. In um, a book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, um, Philip Keller talks about this. It is the sheep owner's presence that guarantees there will be no lack of any sort, that there will be abundant green pastures, that there will be still clean waters, that there will be new paths into fresh fields, that there will be safe summers on the high tablelands, that there will be freedom from fear. It has nothing to do with us, praise the Lord. And everything to do with God. So we're going to look at the next end of the verse. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now going back to our sheep analogy. The sheep know their way home. They should know their way home. Unless they're lost. And so as they, as they get closer to their home, they actually start to run. Which is a great thing to watch sheep run. And they're not even like just normal running. They're like happy, delighted, skipping, running. Um, don't Google it now, but Google it later um, on the way home. But there is safety and familiarity at home for these sheep. And what is home according to David? It's to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this isn't just a final destination for us. It isn't heaven over here, although it is. But it's for us now. And my question is, do we know this? Do you know that today? Or do you feel a little bit like the lost sheep who doesn't really know their way home? We are made to feel hungry always, spiritually hungry, that is. We are made to dwell in the house of the Lord. This life isn't what we're made for. We're made to dwell in the house of the Lord. So when you feel that difference, it's because we need to be with Jesus. It says, C.S. Lewis writes, If we find in ourselves a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, we can only conclude that we were not made for here. The feeling that we all get when we walk around the world, a pull for something more, that's us living without Jesus. But we can have that intimacy with him today. That's the whole reason why we were made, by the way, is to be in relationship with God. 
We can often try and fill that gap with something else, and yet it's only God who can fill it. Remember, he is chasing after you. And he isn't just walking behind us either. Um, In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So that means he is the beginning and the end of our faith. So that means he's prepared a way for us and he's also behind us. And this isn't a race or a challenge for us. It is literally the pursuit of a father who loves you. And the end of the psalm is intimacy with Jesus. We aren't left searching. We aren't left out in the cold, lost, or hiding under a bush in fear. Jesus, who is the definition of goodness and loyal love, leads us to dwell with him. Because that is what we're made for. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.